Welcome to the Empowered Spirit Show. This is your host, Terry Ann Hyman. I'll explore the connection to the human spirit in a way that helps to navigate your life, including crisis. I am passionate about helping you to open up to your intuition and the metaphysical world of spirit to find your confidence and your own inner guidance. Take a pause, be inspired, learn ways to show up focused, centered, and more dynamic in your everyday life. Welcome back to the Empowered Spirit Show. Thank you so much for tuning in with me today. This episode is being brought to you by Forecast Salon, located in Homewood, Alabama. Forecast is a hair salon on a mission to shape a movement in the beauty industry, focusing on education, fashion, and creativity. Forecast strives to train stylists with the latest in education to provide their guests with the latest trends. Follow them on Instagram at Forecast Salon or find them online with their new online store at ForecastSalon.com. As this podcast goes to air, we are in the waxing phase of the moon. We're still in the eclipse season with the full moon lunar eclipse in Scorpio coming in next week on May 5th. We've moved into Taurus season and have some Mercury retrograde going on as well. So what does all this mean for you? Good question. It definitely means it's a time to notice your life, to notice how you're standing in your truth, how you're living your dreams, and especially how you are living your path. All the Taurus energy is asking you to look at the physical aspects of your life as well. Your finances, how are you dealing with money? It can be a very sensitive subject as well, especially with partners. So yes, it is a sensitive time right now, but being strong in your spirit can help. When you are asking yourself the heavy questions, it will help you to bring up the awareness you need to heal, to make changes, and to step through the portals of energy that the cosmic forces are bringing in right now. It is a time to create a spiritual practice for yourself, or maybe you have one, but you've kind of gotten lost on your path. I know it happens. It's happened to me plenty of times. I've had to make over my spiritual practice, find new teachers, ask the hard questions, but it does work. And if you're wondering, how do you even begin? There is so much information out there. Schedule a spiritual makeover call with me and let's talk about what you can do to begin this journey for you. I do have two new openings in my private mentoring and soon I'll be opening my Energy Mastery membership again. So let's see if my programs are a match for you. Links will be in the show notes. On today's episode, I offer first... A warning, this could be triggering to some, especially if you are empathic and find yourself in a relationship with a narcissist. It was a little bit triggering for me, as I brought up many memories of this empath-narcissist relationship that I was in. But the thing is, it reminded me of how far I have come through developing a spiritual practice. And it also reminded me of how passionate I am to help others in similar situations, to find their strength, to get out of toxic relationships, and to be able to stand in their own truth. Very grateful for all that I have learned, for the teachers that have guided me, and for being strong to continue to do the work and carry this on. My guest is Raven Scott from The Raven Scott Show. She also works with human design to help you understand your energy. In this episode, we talk about what a narcissist is, the empath connection to narcissists, energy drains, disempowerment, caught in the web, physical and emotional abuse, human design, and how knowing your unique energy blueprint helps you make aligned choices to flow with the universe and relationships, business, and peace of mind. But before we begin, let's take a moment to pause, breathe, and set an intention for where you are right now.
So wherever you are, if you can, close your eyes. Taking a nice deep inhale, bringing the breath up the body. And exhale, bringing that breath all the way back down, slowing down. Inhale. And as you exhale, call all your energy back into you. Call in your spirit. Feel your spirit right on top of the physical body. Taking another deep inhale. And exhale. Dropping right into the very center of your heart. Feel that connection of your spirit and the greater spirit. Know that you are known. Know that you are loved. Feeling all this energy coming in for you. Taking a moment as we call in the masters, the teachers. Calling in the archangels for joy and love. Calling in the crystal beings for amusement and amplification, calling in your own spirit guides to receive the messages right now. As we take this time to honor the season of spring where I am right now, and as I teach in the medicine wheel, we find ourselves in the direction of the east where the sun rises each and every day. Imagine. Imagine the sun shining down on you, inspiring you to take that next step forward, to plant those new seeds, calling in all of the directions to the east, the south, the west, and the north, above you, below you, right into the very center. Set an intention for your path. See it, hear it, feel it, know it and allow those elevated emotions of how you want to feel to radiate out all around you, setting that energy for you. Taking another deep inhale and exhale, sending that breath all the way down, grounding with Mother Earth, opening the third eye, focusing your energy, bringing your awareness back, blinking the eyes open, coming back. My guest, Raven Scott, is a narcissist abuse survivor, author of Empath and the Narcissist, human design expert, and podcast host and coach at Get More Listeners Academy. Her mission is to help empaths regain their sparkle back after narcissistic abuse through her own podcast, Empath and the Narcissist, Healing Trauma with Human Design. So let us welcome Raven to the show. Welcome, Raven. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm actually very excited to talk to you. You know, we met in one of our podcasting groups. Let's just give Osha a shout out. Very, very great group. It was really so much fun. The cohort learned so much. And so we met. And one of the things that attracted me to you was the work that you do as an empath working with narcissists and also your human designs. I said, well, let me have her on the show. I think she would be perfect. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I truly relate to yours as well, working with empaths and our, our purpose and our work is absolutely aligned. It really is. Yes. So I do like to kind of start and just kind of ask you, like, really what led you to this work? Obviously, your background and your experiences in <laughs> life, I am assuming. But even from the what I have read in your book, Empath and the Narcissist, I yeah, I think we do have a lot in common. So what led you to write this book and bring this work out? Yeah, I think it was the ultimate uh, deep dive evolution to my healing journey from being abused by a narcissist 
And I had been on the healing journey for a while and I knew that I needed to really hunker down when I met my now partner. We started having babies. And um, when I discovered that my first one was a girl, and I promised, I said, I promise, if this is a girl, I'm going to work the hardest I've ever worked spiritually and emotionally to break the cycles. Because what happened to me is never happening to her. And then I had two baby girls. <laughs> like double the work. There you go. And so that was yeah. kind of, yeah, where the culmination of where it led. And I really wrote the book for them. Like it's my legacy for them. So when they're at the right age, they can read it and they can have it. So just to clarify, this is not with your current partner. This is the lessons you learned to get to your current partner. Correct. And my timing was very quick. I wouldn't ever recommend it to anybody, but I met my current partner two weeks after I left and I filed for divorce with my past partner. And I was with my ex-narcissist for 10 years. Mm. And it was my high school sweetheart, first love, all the stuff. I was naive, went through my horrible, like being vain in my 20s with him. And I guess it kind of served the purpose for a while. But when I really sat in return hit, 28, really became serious about my life. I wanted to have a family. I wanted to have a normal life because with him, he felt like he was like this, you know, superior being so everything had to be abnormal so our life was always so just like over the top and abnormal and cold or it just wasn't very warm like everything had to be perfectly like perfect looking in our house the furniture had to be sterile and modern yeah all the things it was like the most impractical life really and it was very stressful emotionally and yeah I just was like what am I doing with my life like what are we doing here is this like my forever life? And yeah, Mother Saturn definitely woke me up and said, no, this is not your life. <laughs> this is definitely not the path you should be on. And I, I had this incredible spiritual awakening. And there were two aha moments. And the second final aha moment was a night where we had an argument. I was you know, situationally addicted to alcohol at the time. So we both were drinking. I started to to step up and stand for my truth. So I was speaking back towards him and I wasn't accepting his lies anymore. And he didn't know how else to control me. So he grabbed my wrist and he was squeezing it so hard and he wouldn't let go. And I kept telling him to let go. And so I'm like, what do I do? Like, he's not letting go. So I slapped him in the face to like, hopefully shock him off of me, which he did. He let go, but then he slapped me back in the face. And it was like, that was it. Like that was the line in the sand. He stepped over it mm. after all the years of emotionally abusing me. For some reason, that was my line. And I went into our bedroom and I saw like this. All of a sudden, I like saw the darkness I was in. This thick, heavy, like dark fog in the room. And I sat down on the bed and I closed my eyes and I literally saw myself being pulled into this energetic dark vortex. And at that moment, I was like, I need to get out. Because this is, this is really, really dangerous, like spiritually, emotionally. And I had the ability, thankfully, to be able to see that. And it was pretty awakening. It's pretty, pretty mind-blowing. Yeah. You know, and there's so much that relates. And I'm like, trigger, trigger. So <laughs> luckily, it's been many years down. But I will say, you know, there was so much like that. Like, you know, sometimes I think, although yeah. now it's different. Right. All right. This goes back to um, 90s, right? The late 90s for me, the early 90s, 97, late 90s for me. But emotional abuse, I don't think was as recognized as it is now. There was never any physical abuse until the very end. There was a situation similar, chase me over the house, trying to lock me in the basement and, you know, throwing all the phones yeah. out of the house, you know, until I left. I should have called the police, but I was still protecting him, right? That's what we do, right? But yeah, but I don't think that back then, now I think there is more recognition, but emotional abuse is just as hard. It's just, if not even more damaging right? It really is because we keep putting up with it and putting up with it and putting up with it. And there was something else you said too, like everything was over the top. Everything had to be the best, the best food, the best party, the best house, the best, the best, the best. And then when you know, like were at it, other people's houses, never good enough, never this. It was always, I can do better. It's like, it was very draining, very tiring. Yeah. And it was hard to keep that lifestyle going for sure. Yeah. 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 It, and it was just, yeah, it was like everything was for the king. <laughs> everything. 
Right. Yeah, it was really hard. And it took me a while, you know, two kids in. I did have two kids. Yeah. And I didn't even know at the time that was any words for empath narcissist because my awakening came that moment when he said, I'm in love with another woman. And that's mm -hmm. when I stopped. Actually, it was nine months later for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Right. It was after I'd been through all kinds of, you know, talk therapy, mental therapy, social work therapy, all that kind until I found a spiritual teacher. That's when my aha moment came. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Like you can, I mean, therapy is always advised because it almost gives you that clinical, like, yes, you like, I love the affirmation. Yes. You were emotionally abused in that relationship. But then when you dig deeper into the actual spiritual part of it, I don't know. It's just that that's really what, what makes it click. Yeah. For me. And it got to the yeah. root. I mean, it started moving energy because I was just circulating, circulating all those thoughts, rehashing all those thoughts, rehashing, rehashing. Nothing yeah. was going anywhere. But right. I remember the day I met Catherine, I remember getting in my car and that's when like that moment came. It's like, oh, I haven't felt so much peace, you know, and then here and you're going to be okay, you know, and mm -hmm. that was huge. And so that's where I started and that's where my spiritual awakening came. Right. And many of us have a spiritual awakenings when we are in crisis. It makes us stop and look at what's going on. Yeah. And too long I had been riding the surface and shoving it down and not paying attention and busy of my life and two small children and so on and so on until we have those moments that do. They make us pause. They make us stop. Power and a pause is what I say. Power and a pause. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. Power and yeah. a pause. Power and a pause for sure. Yeah. yeah. So then you started putting all your experiences into your book, Empath and the Narcissist. Yeah. Yeah. So I started healing on a spiritual journey. I did go to a therapist um, for a while and she really helped me. She had a really cool way about her too. Like I think she had a bit of a spiritual spin, even though she was a licensed therapist. We would do like these art painting exercises where I could, I was able to like paint out my negative feelings and like get them all out. And then I would then like, then she was like, I put that aside. Now paint like how you want to feel the like the future, the like your desires, almost like manifesting through color painting. It was really mm. cool. Um, and then I just, I found yoga. I actually found yoga before while doing it, but I really tapped more into that being spiritual. Um, I did actually try and go back to the church. And for me, it didn't work. <laughs> For me, it was like, oh, these people are just as bad or worse. So not happening here. That was nice. So it was like all the different things. I had to take every little step. You know, here's the one thing is when you're with a narcissist, your entire life before them was completely erased or removed from you. And so I had to go back, like backwards in relationships, re, you know, like the church. I had to go back and try it to see if it really was for me or if it was just his agenda that he had that I needed to remove from my life. So I had that whole process and the process of learning how to meditate, the process of, you know, finding Ho'oponopono prayer, like all of the beautiful, powerful tools like EFT tapping to help my stress. Cause I had two little ones and I was dealing, they're both in diapers. I was still dealing with triggers and stress and the CPTSD that I had no idea I was dealing with. And so I would just like burst out yelling and then they would burst out crying. I was like, poor, these poor children. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like I have to find a tool to stop this. And so that was the EFT tapping for me. Yeah. I'm a tapper. I wrote a book, Confessions of a Shower Tapper. It was so huge. Same thing. Started learning yes. tools, various tools. Yep. And mm. all of them, which I still work and teach with today. So yeah, it was really important. Let's just take a pause for a moment. And just like, how would you define that narcissist? How do you define it? Yeah, it is someone who has no empathy for others. They're very selfish, like beyond selfish, <laughs> clinically selfish. <laughs> they are, I have a grandiose mindset that they're always out for number one and everything with them is transactional. There is no unconditional love. There is no grace. There is no empathy or even sympathy with them. They may trick you into thinking they have empathy. They do have like this cognitive empathy. Mm. Well, they'll use it for a moment. And then when it really push comes to shove, they really don't have it and they can't apply it because they're emotionally paralyzed human beings. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with all that. And I remember 
we did astrology. That was about the only spiritual tool we did. We had been turned on. My mother actually turned us on to her astrology. And I remember like looking at his charts. It should have been a clue. He has no element of water. There's no water in his chart, right? And I didn't really, I didn't really know then. And I know my older sister was like, yeah, he's a narcissist. And I didn't know what that meant either. But, you know, he told I would have me to say to... though, mine was all water. Mine was a Pisces, oh, wow. which, was, which was the opposite of my sign, which I thought, wow, that's very karmic. Like he's literally the opposite of me. <laughs> it was like an interesting wow, that's interesting. All water. Yeah. Wow, that is very yeah. interesting. Because yeah, like, like I said, with mine, there was no water. And I thought that was very interesting. A lot of earth. Yeah. But, but it was like, you know, he, you know, how I dressed, how I cut my hair. No, none of my old friends were allowed to be in my life anymore. And it was like, yeah. only his people, only his friends. And it was very like, this big web that they draw you into. And then when you start doing something on your own, that's when it starts to shift. I started making jewelry. I started getting jewelry contracts with like Eileen Fisher in New York City. And it was like all this stuff. And then that's when that web just like kind of goes, nope, let's go find somebody else. And then he brought a girlfriend into the picture. Yeah. Yeah. That's just yeah. the worst. Yeah. And they, it's because you probably shifted your attention 100% off. Well, the children, let's talk about that for a moment too. Yeah. Because yeah. when narcissists have children. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big shift. And that was really hard to understand too. It's like my attention was on the kids and he didn't appreciate what I was doing for them. It's all about him, him, him. Why aren't you dressed up when I come home? Why aren't you ready for me when I come home? Meanwhile, two, I, my children were both born 16 months apart. So it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I know you feel. diapers spit up and wondering why I'm not like all beautiful. Well, <laughs> beautiful, but <laughs> you are beautiful in your mama spit up mess. That's there the we thing. Go. I can't I see that. Lawyer, you're like, he's complaining. I have two sick children. <laughs> I got spit up on me. What am you know, what are you supposed to do? And no maid, you know, no help, no nanny, no, not, you right. know, well, maybe a little help here and there, mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah. I tell you. Yeah, it is. They. That's why I say they are there. I always say, like, deal with them like they're giant toddlers. Mm. So a lot of times as empaths feel anxiety that we're going to hurt their feelings or make them mad when we start to draw boundaries. But you have to think back. Are you a healthy parent if you give in to your child throwing a temper tantrum when you draw a healthy boundary? If you're a good parent, no, you just calmly wait for them to calm down. Say, I know a lot love them anyways, and carry them on to the next thing. And that's kind of how narcissists are. I mean, of course, you need to really be able to break yourself free. But while you're dealing with them right now, the gray walk, rock method is that. You say a boundary, and then you don't react to their reaction. Because that's and what don't they engage. want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They yeah. want to control you. That's the thing is control. Like you said, how you look. Everything is this outward projection that they think reflects on them. Like if they chose you, that reflects somehow they think that society looks at them like they're a bad person if you don't look perfect too. Like right. you're, an, now, you're now an, an owned item, like an extension of them. Yes. It's like the worst ego identity manifestation ever. Yeah. Really and on the other side, I'm thinking, oh, my God, he wants to buy me clothes and he wants to send me this fancy hairdresser, not realizing. Yeah, because it's all out of control. You know, hello, <laughs> yeah, naive right. kid. Here I am. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they do present it like it is for your best good. It's only because I love you or you're special. You deserve a really great hairstyle. And they sell it. They're, they're such yeah. good charmers. So it, I, it is hard to see at the beginning. It, it really is hard to see, but I think that the way in which we do see it and kind of uh, what I kind of work with and as you do too, I'm sure is like really recognizing your own power and where is that drain of energy coming from and what does that feel like not to be able to set any boundaries at all? Or oh, I can't do this because he says so, or I can't do it like there you go, listening to what you say. And I guess in some cases, sometimes it can serve you. You know, and I think, you know, I was young and naive in New York City and blah, blah, blah. And I guess in some ways it was, but then at some point it stopped serving. The lessons now for me are so great. Like, yeah, I, I didn't want yeah. to split up family. I really didn't. And I can see where my kids even have some PTSD from it, especially my daughter, you know, having to please both parents and whose family am I at? And then in my case, he even went back to the girlfriend he never got married. He found her cheating. Okay. He found her cheating on him. Right. And then she left, went off, got married and came back. Right. And now they're seeing him with her. And now they know the truth. Like they didn't know it when they were little. So it rings up so much, really does. Yeah. Mm. It's really very scary and traumatizing yeah. when you have the kids, but you just have to have faith 
that the kids are going to grow up and see yeah. the healthy parent for who they are and the unhealthy parent for who they are. And I do believe that is so true. And I'm grateful that, you know, I had two parents that had a really beautiful, you know, they were old fashioned in their relationship, but, you know, many years together. And they did get to know that. I came back to her to help my parents. So my kids did get to see a lot of their grandparents. And I think that they've learned a lot. I know that they have actually learned a lot from me and all that I've been through. Mm -hmm. And I am happy to say that through the spiritual work and through digging into my path, I have seen the lineage of my daughters, just like you said you wanted to write for your daughters. I have seen it shift through my daughters. I through my daughter. I only have one. Through my daughter. I have seen it shift through my daughter. And I'm very grateful for that, that we can stop the patterns. We really can. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I would also say it is 100% applicable to sons yeah. too. I don't know why I thought that, but maybe because I was thinking as a woman, right? Like you're more susceptible to that. And we are, but there is a percentage of men out there that are afflicted by female narcissists. Yeah, yeah that is true. Sure. That's a good point. And I, I see how my son's relationship is very different too. Now there is some few traits he carries from his dad, but he's also very loving to the woman he's about to marry. And he does give her time and she can continue to have the things that she loves to do. So I definitely see that difference. He's a very sensitive kid, right? And he likes his own time. So that, that's part of it too. But he, he doesn't carry on some of those traits too. But I do think it applies to both. Yeah. I really do. I agree with that so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then you went on to really discover and learn more about human design. How does mm -hmm. that fit into all of this? Yeah, that was part of the tail end, almost like the final chapter, but it's There's never no ending, final. This, this healing <laughs> process. It felt like the, the last click, right? The last key click, it felt like with human design. Someone read my chart. I felt so seen and heard. It made complete sense. And I was like, this really makes a lot of sense of why I fell for this, right? I fell for this type of relationship and this type of person. I have this open. Oh, I understand now why I have so much childhood trauma because I have this center open. And it just shown like so much of the light of who I am and my energy centers and, and how I can live authentically. Because I was on a quest like to live out my soul's purpose. And I wanted to figure that out. I was really diving into the North nodes and understanding the North nodes and then finding that in human design, I can learn my incarnation cross, which is another part of the energy of your soul's purpose here. And yeah, it was just an amazing, like, it's almost like the analogy of like blowing off the lid of all of the lies from the conditioning of my upbringing in the church whatever emotional um, handicaps my parents had, anything that my sister had done, did or did not do, right, in her life that ripple affected me. And in that abusive relationship, like all of it, it just like blew the lid off of all of the, like the being the victim, essentially. Like now I don't have to be the victim. Now I can just shine out and be my amazing self and now guard myself in the way I know I need to. Hmm. Very interesting because I'm going to stop you there because I'm going to tell you, I don't really know that much about human designs beyond generator, you know, amplifier, <laughs> projector, you know, that manifesting generator. That's about all I know. I do know I'm a generator and that's about all I really know. I don't really understand. I do understand a little bit. I remember the open centers. I remember the way the charts look, but give us a little bit more of what you were really talking about. Exactly. <laughs> Let's go back to, to the basics of human design. But human design is similar to astrology where it gives you your like energy map of who you are it's like your energy blueprint and it incorporates the science of neutrinos uh, astrology the kabbalah I Ching, and the chakra system so all of those they've combined to kind of create a very specific and detailed way to share with you like what are your major personality traits what are your major themes what are the areas for growth what are, and that's kind of like consider what people would say, like, what are your weaknesses? You know, that's your area for growth. Because then once you grow in that, that then becomes your superpower. So you have all of that. Yeah. So it, it pops out this chart. It looks really funny. It's like this person sitting with all these shapes and a triangle shape. And then it has all these planets on either side of them, left and right. So you actually get to see your astrology chart three months before you're born, which is your subconscious. And then you find your astrology chart, which are the black, which is the, the day you were born, which is your conscious personality. 
yeah, there's just so much in it. It's really cool. So the different types are a generator and the manifesting generator. Uh, that makes up 63% of the population. And then you have projectors of the world. That's 20% of the population. And then you have the manifestors, which are 9%, and the reflectors, which are like 1%. So these types are, they kind of talk about how you should be flowing. We call it strategy. Like how do you, how do you flow with the energy of the universe to be able to manifest things, to be able to make right decisions, you know, just how to flow through life. And so the generator strategy is to wait to respond. So it's kind of a fun, but not fun way, because you have to be patient. But essentially, we, I mean, you, you, we have that sacral, I'm a generator too. We have that defined what's called sacral center. It's like the, the motor, the energy of our doing. And we have so much. So if you want a really good night's sleep in your generator, make sure you do really fulfilling work and you exercise. So that way you get all the energy out and you exhaust it. <clears throat> so just doing what you love. You don't have to be doing it for anybody. I think this is the magic about it is you do. And let's say, you know, I'm always I, I'm practicing human design and I'll share one little snippet about it. And it's crazy how many different people will respond to me just like sharing what I've been doing without any motive. I'm not selling anything. I'm just like, oh yeah, here's this really cool fact about human design. And people are like asking me if I they can, I can pull their chart, you know, talking about it on their podcast and all the, the different things. So that's the generator strategy is to do what you love, do it in passion, just do mm. it for you. And then wait to respond. Yeah, that waiting to respond. Yeah, as you were saying that, I was like, oh, yeah, I do remember that, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then only <laughs> 1% of reflector. Interesting, right? Yeah, reflector is a chart where all of those shapes, we call them centers, all of those centers are white. Um, that means they are open and you reflect, you amplify everyone else's energy. Like essentially you are a lunar being. So embrace your lunar beingness. You are like the moon. And you need to wait 28 days to make any major life decisions. You also do really well to live in the country, you know, not in the city, not being like people right on top of you because then you're constantly amplifying everyone's energy. And I find, yeah, the most Peaceful and aligned reflectors have their own little peace in nature and they go into town when they need to and then they go back to their, their spot. So the next one up from that would be the manifestors. Those are 9%. Yeah, they have uh, the only type to have an initiating energy. They're very powerful, but they're very intimidating and they are blocked by all of us generators and manifesting generators, projectors who say, wait, no, that's that's too dangerous. That's too scary. What are you doing? That's outside the box. Um, so their strategy is to inform and then they can just proceed with initiating whatever they want to do. Just let us know. Just, that's all we need to know. Just let us know and then we'll let you do your own thing. <laughs> They're very a unique type of person that has just a lot of, mm. they don't have a sacral. So they don't have a lot of energy per se, like long, long longevity energy. But they have real bursts of energy because they're amplifying that. And they have this like Aries type fire initiating. They have that initiating type of energy. Mm -hmm. Pretty fascinating. Different way of viewing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I love how just for instance, how we were all raised. We were all raised in one system and one education system that you had to do all, you know, all the stuff one way, whereas we're all unique beings and especially the projector, let's say, we have that other type where the projector is that wise counsel being. Again, they don't have that doing energy um, and they're very creative. They love to just ebb and flow and they have the wisdom to tell us generators and manifesting generators how to do something properly. So, but they have to, we wait to be invited. So in the school system, it's like, oh, do it this way and this way. And you have to do all this homework at home. It's like, for the projector and the manifester, that's so exhausting. And it's it's just not the way that they should be operating. Whereas the generators and manifesting generators, they really excel in that because they need lots of work 
to get rid of all their energy, right? It's too exhausting for the other types. Yeah, it is very interesting. So now where does all that relate into working with narcissists or is that just really helping you to understand more about your path? Yeah, so I have a series right now on my podcast on Tuesdays about each center going through it on, it It shows you, your chart can show you where you're vulnerable to the narcissist or to any toxic person or to, you know, operating in an unconscious way that can create a toxic interaction. Um, so there's lots of different kind of signposts for that in your chart. And once you learn that, you know, all of these white, we call those shapes, we call them white, they're open centers. Once you learn that, the first step of anything, right, is awareness. So now you're aware. And when you were unaware, that white center was, for example, like an open door to your house. And the narcissist or the, the energy vampire come in at any time. You had no idea, like, how to close the door. So the door is just open. They can come and they can steal whatever they want from your house. They can sit there for forever. They can, you know, rain on your parade. But once you're aware of that vulnerability, you now finally have this conscious power of closing that door and locking it and not letting those types of people in your life. Yeah. So it can be yeah. really powerful. It just erases all the lies and all of the ways that they try and use you, right? Because that's what narcissists do. They use you as supply. So if you now first educate yourself on narcissism, then about how the energy works and how you particularly, how your energy works, then you can close those windows. You can close those doors and really screen yourself off and protect yourself from the draining energies of the world. Yeah. So important and so powerful. Yeah. When I think about how much... I was drained of who I was and what I was trying to do versus when I stopped that and started standing up for who I am. And it took me a long time. And I think there was something I like wanted to look up my chart real fast. Where is my chart? Where is my chart? But I do think that there was <laughs> something there with my throat, like really closing mm -hmm. it down and really getting there in that voice of not even being able to express anything about what I was or who I was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to go look that yeah. up again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're a generator. Your sacral, so your inner authority is another really powerful way to kind of have that discernment and know how to make decisions and know who to trust. That's your intuition, your inner authority. So yours is sacral. So tapping into your gut and asking it yes or no questions is the most powerful way that you can make your decisions. So your throat is defined. Here's the problem with some of this, right? It's not like it's... We're connecting the human design science with narcissistic abuse or anything. There's, there's no hard and fast of you can certainly be conditioned even in a defined center, especially by someone who has a stronger willpower than you or just this constant barrage of emotional abuse and bullying. So your throat center you were talking about, was your throat chakra blocked when you were with a narcissist? The blocking of your throat center has more to do with your feeling safe and being, you know, being able to speak your truth with someone than, than how it's defined. So since yours is defined, um, you have your, and especially since you have a channel connected to your identity center, you are here to speak love. Like your podcast is exactly what you're here to do. You are here to speak love. You have a way of sharing um, concepts and ideas out into the world and you share it in a consistent way. Sometimes you may feel like you are a woman of few words because you don't need to say many. Like you you can get straight into the point and you don't have to ramble on about it. Like you got it. <laughs> and they should just hear it. <laughs> Very direct. Yeah, which is a beautiful thing because it's in yeah, you um if you also have your Ajna defined. So if you're if you're with somebody who has these open they also can speak for you like you, they can, um, I can't think of the right word, uh, where they can um, expand. They can expand your idea for you because they're amplifying and kind of like receiving your thoughts. Mm. And um, yeah, being able to speak your words a little bit more concisely in a way that's more, um, yeah, expanded. Yeah, so the... The throat blocking is mainly just because you don't feel safe, the chakra part. And for so many of us, especially women, we always feel like we're not worthy. We don't have 
any, you know, valid opinions in society. Then on top of it, you have a narcissist verbally assaulting you and bullying you all the time and telling you that you're worthless and dumb just over and over. So then you just, it's almost like that negativity just kind of keeps getting stuck in your throat chakra and it blocks you from speaking your truth because they do make it feel unsafe. They do make it unsafe for you to speak your truth fascinating to understand more and more about, you know, these things about our own personalities and how we show up. And, you know, the depth of spirituality is what we're both talking about, going in deeper and learning more about ourselves and why we do behave the way we behave, why we do feel safe or why we don't feel safe. And I think these are the things that we learn through this kind of work that can really help us so much in the relationships of what we're here to learn and grow. And now most of my teachers will say, Tara, you benefited from that. You took away a lot of lessons. Look where you are now. You probably wouldn't be here. Although my daughter says that to me all the time. Mom, you wouldn't be yeah. doing what you're doing if y'all were still married, right? So there are lessons that are served from working with mm. this energy of an empath and a narcissist. But I do think that, you know, knowing, I call it, you know, empowered empaths. You know, I have a blog about that. Confessions of an empowered empath. Things I've learned. But I really don't know. And I'm just going to ask you what you think, Raven. Do you think that an empath can ever really learn how to live with a narcissist in a happy, harmonious way? I would ask the question back, why would you want to? <laughs> well, because what if you have, you work with someone like, but I love him, but I love him. Mm. I don't know. I'm just trying to, you know, mm. I mean, just think mm. of why people stay with, you know, situations longer than yeah, they need it's to. complicated. I feel like it's really more of a journey of your own self-love because once you value and you love yourself, yeah, you do kind of ask the same question that I just asked, like, why am I here? Like, this is ridiculous. Why am I putting up with this? Because you finally realize I deserve better because as much as you may love them, you're loving what they're promising you. They're not loving who they really are or you're loving the potential of who they are as empaths. We see them, we see their little inner child and we want to save them and fix them. But that's also a spiritual bypassing practice. I feel personally, you're avoiding your own point. loving your own inner child. What about you? What about your inner child? Does your inner child deserve this treatment? No, but you're so focused on the other person's inner child. And so you're bypassing that work essentially. And it's, Hard. And I think that is what happens. And I think as empaths, we sometimes do that. We want to fix everybody else when really, let's point that fixing back to ourselves, yeah. right? And I've actually been working with a teacher on this for a while now. It's like, wait, Terry, we're not here to fix. As healers, you're not here to fix. Even though we may think we are, we're not, right? And so, yeah, for me, it's like, okay, we're not here to fix. We're here to hold the space, shine the light, because we do that even greater than trying to fix. And I agree with you so much on that spiritual bypassing because we're not just not wanting to deal with ourselves it's easier to look at everybody else and the harder work is looking at ourselves it is yeah. and it's easier to say that you're a victim forevermore from this person and you tried to help them and you just can't but you don't really talk about yourself yeah and yeah. my akashic guides tell told me last time i did a, a record reading that the number one thing you can do is heal yourself on the inside, and then it'll pour out and it'll heal everyone that's around you. I agree. I think the number one thing all of us can do right now is do our own self-care. I really do. Because when we're better, that translates so much greater all around us. So I totally am in agreement with you on that. And you know, I, I do want to say too that I didn't know that I was trying to fix, you know, I got lost in the grandioso. New York and lights and money and this and that. So I didn't really know that I was trying to fix. And I didn't really notice that until later on when I started working with people myself and people in similar situations. I didn't want them going through the same situation. I wanted to empower them with the tools I learned. And that's when the whole idea of me as an empath and trying to fix came forward. It really wasn't so much in the relationship. There were so many other things right going on. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I think that's important. Because <laughs> yeah. there's so much going so. on. <laughs> yeah. They're really good at smoke and mirrors. I agree with you. You, you. It it becomes very clear once you're out of the relationship that you were trying to fix them. And then you realize, oh, well, I'm trying to fix everybody in my life. And it could stem from childhood trauma because you felt like you didn't have control in some situation. Or you just were always told that, yeah. you know, be quiet, go play. Like, you don't matter. Like, so many different things we've experienced. 
But um, yeah, you just get so caught up. I think the, the biggest thing with narcissistic abuse and that when you're staying in it is you're so caught up in getting back to where they made you feel good, which unfortunately was an act. And that's the really complex, heartbreaking part. It's not like, so then when you break up with them, it's not like a normal breakup either. Like everything's not normal about them, unfortunately. I remember driving around going, how can he not feel this? I just don't get it. We had such moments. How can he not feel it? There mm -hmm. you go. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That, that it's the cognitive. They know what people need in order to, to commit and latch in. And then they know what they need as a refresher, but they're not going to keep up with it because that's not their true, authentic way of loving. I mean, they don't have the capacity to have unconditional love. Yeah, it definitely brings up a lot. And you know what? I see how far I've come. And I see all the realizations that we can learn. Yeah, it hurts at first, but I think it was more hurting to stay in the energy and to actually go through. And the thing that's so wonderful about spiritual tools, not all of them have to make you go through all that energy. Like when we tap, like we get rid of some of those blocks, we calm the amygdala down and it's such a much more effective manner. Reiki energy, you know, like soothing, calming, the Hopoopona, it helps you just to kind of have that love and kindness and forgiveness, which is a huge energy. So there's so many tools in the spiritual mm -hmm. energetic realm that really can help you to learn about yourself and help you to open up to more of who you truly want to show up as. But like you said, like we can't bypass, we can't bypass the herd and we can't bypass the work we're here to do. One way or another, it's going to come out. <laughs> One age or another, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why our souls chose this really difficult life on earth. It's really polarizing and toxic and difficult and it's a slug. Also leads me to believe why we are seeing more and more talk, more and more conversations, more and more teachers talking about impasse because the world needs us, but they need us in an empowered way. We need to have compassion and empathy for each other, but we don't need to have the drains. We don't need to take it on like ours, right? And so I think that's one of the reasons too right now, while you are seeing, even in the man mainstream, even in your psychologists and your teachers, I mean, look at Dr. Judy Orloff. She's been a great teacher for many of us to talk about this and take it from the science perspective into what we do here. And I think we're seeing more and more because I think the earth needs us in so many amazing, beautiful ways. But I do believe we need to have the boundaries. We need to be grounded. We need to be empowered in how we show up, right? And take care of ourselves first. I think that's really important. And like you talked about when we first started, like not letting this continue on to the generations of our energies, especially with our daughters, our sons too, but especially with the women and our daughters of the world. Yeah. 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 I mean, right now with this misogynistic still, right? The toxic patriarchy is still ruling the majority. Yeah. If we are always, like you said, over serving before filling our own cup up, it's the same exact thing that I saw in that spiritual awakening moment of just being pulled down into the dark vortex yeah. of the Definitely. vampires. And so I do think that we all can learn something. And I think for all of us to stop and see, and you know, you may you might be listening to this and think, well, I'm sensitive. Great. That may not be the same thing. And I think the difference between super sensitive and empath is that you take it on as if it's yours, right? And I think that's really where the work needs to be done. Really recognizing that boundary for yourself and making sure you are taking care of yourself. Because I don't think either one of us is saying, well, don't be empathic to people. No, that's not the point. Yeah. The point is being able to show right. up, you know, fully and wholly and yeah. feeling good about who you are. And I think that's really where we go with this for sure. Shine your light out with a screen up and not yeah. being a sponge. And that's actually something I've been talking about through the help of one of my teachers. It's like, you know, during even COVID, I was taking in every all the fear. I was waking up in the morning like, where is this coming from? Thinking it was mine. My mom had mm -hmm. just passed and she had so much fear. I'm thinking, did I really? Like, she passed and I took it all on. And it really took me a while to recognize, mm -hmm. you know what? I go to sleep and I wake up with the worries of the world. And so it's like, wait a minute, let's change that energetically. So instead of feeling it coming in the fear, it's like, no, project your light out. Such a great feeling instead of pulling yeah. pulling it's like no shine it out and that's exactly what you're saying yeah definitely yeah and you have specifically an open head center and open solar plexus which those two without being aware and guarding those 
that's exactly what it was yeah, happening for sure. And now, actually, yeah, mm. we're getting that solar plexus. <laughs> yep, my teacher, <laughs> Rita, shout out Rita Fox. Yeah, she's just like been amazing, helping me to really see that, right? And I remember saying to her because, look, mm. I teach the shockers all the time. Like, where's the solar plexus? <laughs> like, what? You know, she's like, put your hands on the solar plexus. I'm like. Ooh. Where is it? <laughs> of course, I know where it is. But then when it comes back to you and the energy and the work you need to do, yeah, we can get lost in that. So yeah, it is really great. And I see, I see your points in all that human design. And yeah, it is quite fascinating. And I love the tools that you're working with for sure. Yeah. So where would you like me to direct people to find your work? What are you doing? What are you teaching? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I have the series about the centers on Tuesdays. So, um, yeah, you'll have to listen back by the time this airs, we might be down almost to the end of it. Um, but that's, that's really been amazing to have people, um, you can sign up to the empath healing community. I will pull your chart for free. I'll send it to you via email within 24 hours and you can have it in front of you while you're going through that series. Excellent. And you can find me at ravenscott.show on my website. You can find my uh, podcast there, my socials there. You can sign up to get that free chart there as well. Definitely. We'll put that in the in the links for sure. And that's awesome. And yeah, I know quite a few people will take you up on getting that chart for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah, thank you so much. Quite fascinating, quite interesting. And yes, it may be a little triggering for some, but know that as we work through these triggers and recognize where they are. And for me, it was... You know, feeling that trigger, but then seeing how far I've come. And I think that's really important when we notice that journey that we are all on. Yeah. So as we go to close, Raven, I do like to come back and ask the question. I know we have kind of talked about it, but just to kind of finish with an uplifting thought, how would you say that the work that you're doing, educating people in the relationships of empath to narcissist and using human design in your work can help to empower the spirit? It really empowers the spirit because it brings you back home. It brings you back to your spirit. It shines the light on how unique and amazing you are, just as you are. <laughs> no makeup, no outfits, no nails done, no outer people telling you how and who you should be. And that is my main goal, is to help all empaths regain their sparkle back after this world has put a cover over them regain their sparkle back just as they are. Yes, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes. To your spirit. Thank you. Namaste. Thank you for having me. Namaste. It is time to stop the energy drains, to empower yourself as an empath. And as Raven says, to get your sparkle back, to shine your light and not be a sponge. Be sure to check out Raven's work, her book, her podcast, and get a human design chart drawn for you. And if you need help creating your spiritual practice, I can help you with that. Schedule your complimentary call with me and let's see what you can do to step forward on your path. The world needs your sensitivity so that we can care for each other. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes and be sure to subscribe to Raven Scott's show to gain more insight into human design and how it can empower you, especially as an empath. Thanks again for listening. This is your host, Terry Ann Hyman. To your spirit, namaste. Hey, 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 two quick reminders for those in the local area. Come join us in the Energy Yoga for Witches class beginning Friday, May 5th at Ritual and Shelter. Be an empowered goddess. And come glamping or camping with us over the Memorial Day weekend. Get your feet on Mother Earth and tune into the sacred elements with teachings from the Medicine Wheel. All these events can be found on my website at terryannhyman.com. 